parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe, owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive one another from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. Speak to us your life-giving words. Lord, we are thirsty. Come and satisfy our souls this morning. Satisfy us through your word. Satisfy us as we invite Jesus to come and to minister to us in our hurt and in our brokenness and in our pain. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Please sit down. Well, this morning we're looking at the parable of the unmerciful servant. And we're going to look at the subject of forgiveness and the issue of how we heal our history. There's a Spanish story told from the beginning of the 20th century about a father and a son who became estranged. The son had run away and the father sent off to find him. And the father searched for months, but to no avail. In a last desperate effort, he did the only thing he could think of. He put an advertisement in the main, main Madrid newspaper. And the advertisement read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, not knowing what to expect, the father 
turned up at the newspaper offices. And there he found that 800 people called Paco had turned up. They were all standing there looking for forgiveness and looking for love from their father. Because forgiveness is the big issue. It's the big issue in our relationship with God. It's the big issue in our relationship with one another. And it's the big issue in our relationship with ourselves. Now the story Jesus told, the parable of the unmerciful servant, is a very simple story. It's a man who has overwhelming debt and he can't pay, so he pleads for mercy and his debt is completely forgiven. And in turn, he goes out and he finds one who owes him, but he refuses to show the same mercy to him and he throws that poor guy into prison. The starting point of this parable is a question from Peter. How many times must I forgive You remember that uh, passage I referred to earlier in Luke 17, where Jesus says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back and says, I repent, forgive him. So Peter asks this question. He's got it in his mind. Seven times I must forgive. But Jesus says, no, 77 times. Or in some versions, it says 70 times 7. That's 490. Now, Jesus isn't expecting you to count 496, 486, 480. He's not expecting it to be literally interpreted in terms of counting. What he's saying is, you have to forgive continually. You have to forgive an infinite number of times. So what's the motivation for this huge show of compassion? How are we going to pour out that much forgiveness? Well, it's because of the forgiveness we've received. In the parable, the master represents God, and the indebted servant is you. The debt is unpayable. 10,000 talents of gold. That weighs at about something like three metric tons. In today's exchange rate, that's worth about 10 billion pounds we get the message. It's an unpayable debt. And Jesus isn't talking about a cash debt either. He's talking about the debt of sin. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6? Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. The word debt and the word sin are interchangeable here. Our debt is overwhelming. But what God has done to forgive us is equal to the task. Perhaps our biggest mistake is underestimating how big our debt is, underestimating the scale of our sin, and therefore underestimating the magnitude of God's forgiveness for us. You see, if we think our sin is just a small thing, then God's forgiveness is a small thing. But if our sin and our debt is huge, then God's grace and God's forgiveness to us is huge. There's a story of a couple who'd been married for about 15 years and they found that they were constantly bickering. And they wanted to make their marriage work, so one of them had a great idea. Why don't we, they said, for one month, 
write down on a slip of paper all our grievances as they occur and pop them in a fault box. And then at the end of the month, we can open the box up and look through them. Well, the person who had the idea was very diligent. They wrote down every day lots of things. Top left off the jam jar. Wet towel on the bathroom floor. You get the picture. At the end of the month, they sat down after dinner with their two boxes. And the first one opened their box, and the list of complaints inside was huge. And the other one opened their box, and there are lots of slips in that box too, but each one said exactly the same thing. I love you. That's grace. Our debt has been completely paid for, and the memory of that debt is now erased in God's memory. God says, what debt? God has forgiven us absolutely and completely. And in response to all my sin, God simply says, I love you. It's not that he ignored the debt. He didn't just say, okay, let's forget about it. He paid the debt in full. That's what the cross is about. It's where our debt was paid. It's where our death sentence was served. And it's the means and the only means that we can be forgiven and set free. And so Jesus then says, now do for others what I've done for you. I have extended huge unconditional forgiveness to you. I want you to go and extend huge unconditional forgiveness to others. Now, what does it mean to forgive others as we have been forgiven? Why would we forgive somebody who has hurt us and wronged us? I grew up in a household where there was a certain level of abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. Maybe you've experienced something similar. Maybe you've experienced something much worse. We get hurt, abuse, bullying, victimization, betrayal. You may have been let down. You may have been beaten up. You may feel hurt, deeply, deeply hurt. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with the memories and emotions and the fear and the resentment and the anger that we carry? Different people have different remedies. For some, they seek revenge. For some, they just try and block it out. Some might internalize it and get eaten away by it. Others might look at the bottom of a bottle to find relief, a bottle of alcohol, a bottle of tablets. But whatever you try, you still carry the burden and the scar and the pain. That is until we forgive. Because forgiving unlocks that pain. Without forgiveness, we are tethered to that which has harmed us, to the person that has harmed us. We're tied together with chains of bitterness. That wrong has made us a prisoner. And even though we're the innocent ones, we are the ones who end up serving a life sentence for it. But when we forgive, we take back control. 
we become our own liberator. You see, we don't forgive just for the benefit of others. We forgive for ourselves. Two mothers. Winnie Johnson was the mother of Moore's murder victim, Keith Bennett. And G. Walker is the mother of Anthony Walker, who was murdered with an ice axe by a group of youths in Liverpool Park. Two women who knew the awful tragedy of having had their sons murdered. Winnie Johnson was consumed by the event that killed her son so tragically. And tragically, she lived her remaining 50 years embittered and angry. G. Walker, within a week of Anthony's death, was standing on the national news announcing that she had forgiven his killers. I remember watching it. She said, Jesus told us to forgive. And the sadness of Antony's loss is enough to bear without having to carry the anger and resentment against his killers. Two mothers, one imprisoned by her tragedy, but the other who found freedom and release in forgiveness. To be whole, we need forgiveness and we need to forgive. It's like two outstretched arms. We have two broken relationships. We have a broken relationship with God and we have a broken relationship with others and both of them need healing. So whether you've been abused or betrayed or ignored or insulted, you face the same choice, either to forgive or to carry that hurt. But anger and resentment only corrode and destroy. But forgiveness restores, it reconciles, it brings peace. Rebuilding our relationship with God only comes through forgiveness. And rebuilding our relationship with one another only comes through forgiveness. And forgiveness is unconditional. It doesn't depend on somebody else saying sorry, although it's much easier if they do. If we make our forgiveness conditional, if we make it conditional on somebody saying sorry, then we give them the power to determine whether or not we remain a victim or not. But unconditional forgiveness is grace. It's not earned, but it's freely given. Unconditional forgiveness unchains us from the wrong and from the wrongdoer. It no longer defines, we are no longer defined by our past. But there's another person we need to forgive if we're to be truly free. By God's forgiveness, our relationship with him is restored. And by forgiving others, we remove those chains that hold us captive but we also need to forgive ourselves. One of the people I find most interesting is the ex-cabinet minister, Jonathan Aitken. You may remember that he was imprisoned uh, for perjury 
And while he was in prison, he became a Christian. And now the man who was so arrogant and cocksure, and I once met him before he even became a parliamentary candidate, and he was arrogant and cocksure. Now he is completely humble. He's completely at peace about his past. He served his sentence, but more importantly, he's forgiven himself for what he did. He no longer lives with self-recrimination. He no longer lives with embarrassment or shame. And when we make ourselves a prisoner of our past, we don't allow God to do that transforming work in us. Maybe we have forgiven others, but sometimes we find it impossible to forgive ourselves. We feel we don't deserve a second chance. We feel somehow it's right that we are punishing ourselves. It's guilt and shame. Guilt says, I've done something bad, but shame says, I must be bad. I'm a bad person and I'm not worthy of forgiveness. So we don't forgive ourselves. Guilt and shame are part of God's purpose for us so that we can see what's right and wrong, but he intends them to lead to forgiveness and to restoration, not to be a permanent state of affairs. I mean, you don't go to hospital for a test and then not get treatment. There's no point in going week after week to have the same test. The test is to lead to treatment. Guilt and shame are to lead to restoration. And the shame is how we feel. We feel unworthy. We feel we're not good enough. But remember, we just sung that. You took all my guilt and shame when you died and rose again. Jesus dealt with both our guilt and our shame in order that we might be forgiven and be set free. We need to know that. We need to know that it's okay to forgive ourselves. And if you have difficulty in forgiving yourself, perhaps you want to share with a close friend, somebody who can pray with you, somebody who help, can help you find that compassion and that forgiveness that makes you whole. So this morning we've been talking about breaking chains that bind us, chains that hurt us, chains that keep us captive, chains that stop us from exercising the freedom that Christ intends. And breaking those chains gives us control. It gives us freedom. It allows us to re-establish relationships. And Jesus wants you to forgive as an act of grace so that you are free. You can choose to be a captive, but you can choose to be free. It's a matter of choice as to whether we want to carry around that weight of burden, of hurt, or we want to break those chains that wound us through the gift of unconditional forgiveness. Do you feel you've been carrying a burden of hurt? Do you want to lay it down? Have you got scars deep within from things in the past where you have been wronged? Do you want those scars to be healed? Do you bear resentment from ill treatment and abuse? Do you want to break those ties, those chains that tie you to it? 
because we can make a decision that the hurts of the past will no longer be part of our future. You need to make that decision and not let those, the pain of those past events continue to wound you. You need to make that decision that whatever it is and whoever it was, that you will unconditionally forgive as you have unconditionally been forgiven. And in forgiving, you find release. This is Jesus' purpose for you. He knows all about the hurt. He knows the injustice. He suffered it too. But he says, take up your cross, follow me, and forgive as I have forgiven you. So a question this morning is, will we be free? Will we forgive? Will we allow those chains that bind us to be broken? If that's something that speaks to you and you want some practical help with that, I can highly recommend a book written by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's up there on the screen and it's called The Book of Forgiving. You can buy it on Amazon for £8.50. It's not a book of the theology of forgiving. It's a practical step-by-step guide to find closure on past hurts. It's a step-by-step guide to find freedom through forgiveness. If you go onto Google and just Google Tutu Forgiving Book, it's the first thing that comes up. It's remarkable, you know, as you read the stories of forgiveness in that book, of how Nelson Mandela, for years, had an abusive guard outside his prison cell. But yet that same guard was given a VIP seat at Nelson Mandela's inauguration. Past hurts can be healed. In a moment, I'm, we're going to have a period of quiet and just reflect on what God is saying to us. But before we do that, I'm going to ask the music group to come up because I'd like us to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us, How Vast Beyond All Measure. Sometimes it seems too big a thing to forgive what we have endured. But we only have to look at what Jesus endured for us to forgive us, to know that we can do what he taught us to do in that parable, and that is to unconditionally forgive others as we have been unconditionally forgiven. Let's sing together how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. Let's stand together.
to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Wounds have paid my wrath. 